It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to hour number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, Monday afternoon. And of course, what do I mean by championship Monday afternoon? The College World Series will crown their national champion this evening. The Florida Gators and LSU Tigers round three. It's like a Rocky and uh, it's like a Rocky movie, to be honest with you. You just don't know how many parts you're going to get. But LSU trying to win their seventh national championship, their first since 2009. And joining us this afternoon from Omaha, Nebraska, site of the College Series, is Glenn Gilbo, national columnist at Outkick.com and Fox. Glenn, how's it going, my friend? Good afternoon. How are you? Man, absolutely blessed by the best. And been more shots that have been purchased this afternoon. LSU shattering those records as far as at Rocco's Bar and Grill. But yesterday, something happened that not a lot of people saw coming. A 24-4 shellacking by the Gators. Yeah, you, you, you'd have to say Florida outshot LSU in that game. I was upset for sure. That was... Uh, <laughs> That was a surprise. Not that Florida won, but but the way that game got out of hand was uh, was crazy. But uh, just uh, set up the winner take all. Yeah, it doesn't get any better in any sport than winner take all. And sometimes you have just one game, but when it's the best of, that's what you really have to enjoy. And and the biggest question, Glenn, is yeah, that's going to be Thatcher Hurd. The uh, he's really kind of the number three starter. He's, he, and he, he finishes a lot for uh, Ty Floyd. And and Florida will also be starting their number three starter, Jack Cagliano, who also plays first base. But uh, So, you know, it, it's really an even game. I mean, the number two seed, the number five seed, the SEC uh, co-champion Florida, LSU was tied for second. I mean, both teams are full of draft choices. Florida's probably got the better overall pitching. LSU's got the better overall offense, so it's, uh, it's really a coin flip game, I think. Well, outside of that, I mean, when you look at a coin flip game, the fans have definitely gotten their money's worth in Omaha. Now, to me, had a lot of one and two run games or a lot of walk offs, and wouldn't it be just poetic tonight for either LSU or Florida? to go ahead and win this in the bottom of the ninth or with some type of extra inning heroics? Yeah, I think it, it would really be dramatic if, uh, you know, Paul Skeens comes in to pitch the ninth and a save opportunity for LSU. And, you know, either what, either way what happens after that would be, you know, huge drama. Just just, just uh, Paul Skeens warming up in the bullpen is going to be something – tonight, because I do think they'll use him in short relief, either at the end of the game, or need to get out of an inning, I think you might see him. 
We're talking to Glenn Gilbo. He covers LSU for OutKick. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Glenn, uh, about Paul Skeens. And so he isn't starting tonight. Do you think it is very likely that he does end up seeing some use out of the bullpen? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I talked to Jay about that right when the regional started, if he, if he would bring in a starter like Skeens after less than normal rest, which would be three days rest, in a closer situation like you see in Major League Baseball sometimes with Roger Clemens and uh, Skip Burby used to do it at LSU. He'd bring a starter in for the last couple of innings. So he, he said that's, that would be possible. Um, you know, He's not going to start him tonight for by any chance. That, that's going to be Thatcher Hurd. But I think you will see him in short relief. Glenn, I know that you wrote this article a couple of days ago, Sports. I've never been to Omaha, Nebraska, and seen this field, but why, why is it really, in your mind, the coolest secret in college sports? Well, most of the national media don't really cover it. it it's, not, uh, it's not really a, a mega national event like the Final Four is or like the college football national championship or even the two semis or, you know, nothing close to the Super Bowl either. But it's really a, a great event. Uh, and it's it's really fan friendly. Uh, it, it's people are just really into Omaha for a couple of weeks where it wouldn't do that, say in Atlanta or something. But um, and I mean, you see the the best college baseball players, which and you know guys that are all going to get drafted in a couple of weeks in the first round. I mean, there's probably a half a dozen of them playing, and probably twenty of them throughout the whole World Series. Um, and, you know, a lot of those guys, I mean, a, a lot of the baseball here is better than pro baseball until you get to maybe AAA, you know. It, it, it's that quality of competition. The game's usually good. I've covered it a long time, and it's just really, uh, it's fun to cover. And the, the people who come. I think that, you know, the, even though it's hot, even though you, you can have a, a 92, 93 degree, Green day it's not that swampy southern heat to where the humidity just absolutely suffocates you as well yeah yeah you, you can um you know you could be in the stadium and that sun's right on you and it's pretty hot in the 90s but it is it is a dry heat and it's cool at night you know it gets down to the 70s at night which you know in in louisiana and alabama and texas i mean it's still hot at midnight you know because of humidity. So, and, you know, the people here love it because, you know, they get a lot of snow during the year. So this time of year, they're all out partying. And it's, uh, it's really kind of a party city, and it's a great old historic railroad town. There's a lot of things to see. only event, sports event, that's in the same city every year. You know, Super Bowl moves, Final Four moves. Uh, so that, that's another thing that really makes it cool because the people here just know how to run it. Absolutely, and it's going to be game three, winner take all. Doesn't get any better than that. But as far as a rematch of the 2017 College World Series between Florida and LSU, I know that different coaches are at the helm now, but for LSU looking at winning their first national championship in collegiate baseball since 09, that, that's something I think that a lot of LSU faithful are really not wanting the same to repeat of being called runner-up to the same exact SEC team that they failed to in 2017. Major hire of LSU AD Scott Woodward. The first one, Kim Mulkey, just won a national championship, so it's, it's Jay's turn. And then after that, it would be Brian Kelly's turn. 
because he hired Kim, then he hired Jay, then he hired Brian Kelly. So he could he could uh, line it up. It's definitely been winning time and winning season down in Baton Rouge for sure. And now let, let's go back and look at something that a lot of people are talking about in regards to LSU football vacating 37 or so wins. And and I, I just I don't really like the term vacate wins because as my producer said, look, there's been games that I've been mean. I mean, does it really hurt the program and LSU men's basketball with with them being kind of thumped behind the Will Wade situation? Does that really help or hinder that program? And does vacating wins mean a difference for LSU faithful and fans? Well, vacate, that's a nice way of saying forfeit. I mean, they, they forfeit <laughs> those games because they, they use an ineligible player without Alexander. Uh, that's all that means. But, I mean, you know, but, but they're still, they were one on the field, you know, and, and, and whenever you see, like, you know, other programs like Alabama has had to forfeit games or vacate wins, and you always see that's a, the original record, and then you see the record with the uh, – Four for the so that's all that means. And that, um, it probably will keep just the balls out of the Hall of Fame, though. But that doesn't help. But really, in, in the in the whole overall scheme of things, as far as the LSU football program and athletic department, it really doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, the the, the 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 penalties that really mean something are, are lost scholarships, and uh, they didn't they didn't suffer any of that. You know, now Will Wade got punished mightily and, and should have. I mean, he lost a lot of money. He got fired, uh, and he's at a place like McNeese where, you know, I'm sure three years ago he never thought he'd be coaching there. So, uh, and he's got some recruiting restrictions on him. Basically did a plea bargain. You know, they sacrificed Will Wade. They fired him. And uh, when, when you do that, when you fire the main person, for you know, at, at fault for the violations, the NCAA likes when when you do that. So that helped their case. Glenn, also, as far as trying to find out a most valuable player, I mean, Tommy Tanks White and what he was able to accomplish against Wake Forest and what he was able to do in game number one, capture this national championship. But what kind of dog pile do you expect? Because I guarantee you don't want to be on the top of that if he hits that dog pile, tank that is, and LSU wins that national championship. Yeah, he's a big boy. They got. I wouldn't want to be under Beloso either. Um, he's he's another MVP candidate if, if you know if they can come through tonight. But uh, yeah, LSU hadn't had one of those dog piles in a while, so hopefully they practiced. You know, you know Skip used to uh, practice them uh, picking him up when he was a high school coach in Miami. Anyway, they practiced the day before the championship game. They practiced picking him up. It's all about visioning things, uh, but. Uh, I think uh, so of LSU, so they'll be able to figure out a dog pile. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I know they're looking forward to. Glenn Gilbo, national columnist at OutKick.com and on Fox as well. And we did have the NBA draft last Thursday, and I know a lot of post-draft trades are going to continue to occur when free agency hits early the first week in July. But Zion Williamson, is he going to remain a Pelican? Is he going to move on? I think that if Zion's healthy, he and Brandon Ingram both can be a formidable foe along with C.J. McCullough if they're healthy. But if not, 
Do you think already the Zion Williamson project is over in New Orleans? They did look into one, though. Don't let anybody tell you they didn't. They definitely talked to some teams, those second and third teams, Charlotte and uh, Portland, about a trade, but they couldn't get, uh, they, you know, they couldn't work it out between the two places. But, you know, ne- next year at the draft or next year off season, if Zion has a similar injury marred season, you know, you, you, you could see a trade happen. You know, uh, yeah, when, when when he's healthy, they're good. And when Brandon Ingram's healthy, they're good. But they've only played 12 games together in the last two years, which is which is ridiculous. So they, they have to figure out a way. And Zion has to figure out a wannabe the, the rest of his career. I agree with you there, Glenn. Now, I know that you had Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, in action for from a fan standpoint this weekend. Are there any other assistant coaches or head coaches that are going to fly in and and get a chance to see LSU possibly win the national championship tonight that you're aware of? Well, I know Brian Kelly was here over the weekend. I don't know if he's still here. Uh, Of course, Olivia Dunn was here last week, the gymnast. Uh, And uh, Burrow was here. Celebrities may be in, but they tend tend to show up on uh, championship night. Um, But, uh, and, and, you know, I'm sure they'll end up over at Rocco's getting a shot. Yeah, absolutely. All those shots already being paid for. I wouldn't be surprised if Kim Mulkey or some of her staff have an opportunity to show up for game number three as well. And be interesting to see winner take all tonight. Will it be the Tigers? Will it be Gator Bait at hand? Glenn Gilbo will definitely be there in Omaha, Nebraska, witnessing history one way or the other. Glenn, how can everyone follow all of your outstanding coverage? Um, appreciate it. I just go to outkick.com, O-U-T-K-I-C-K.com. It's a free website and lots of World Series coverage on there. Got a lot of coverage of the Milton the Third put on quite a show and lots of, lots of World Series coverage uh, tonight and tomorrow. Glenn, always appreciate your time. Be safe as you leave Omaha, and we'll be talking with you again here very soon on the final drive. Okay, thanks. Glenn Gilbo joining us this afternoon. And again, Timothy Duval says LSU going to catch them hands. Go Gators. Well, we'll see if they definitely caught them hands and plenty of teeth and everything else yesterday as they were absolutely demolished 24 to 4. Looked more like a football score by the Florida Gators baseball program. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Luis. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 Corey Bounty, along with my producer, Michael Broner, joining you this afternoon. Want to thank Glenn Gilbo, who joined us from Omaha, Nebraska. And he does a fantastic job with his coverage on OutKick and always love having him on the show and of course a little breaking news today by coastal alabama the wolves have a new head baseball coach jd pruitt and he was formerly the head coach at spanish ford of course Join us at 5 30 here on the final drive to talk about his new job and new opportunity moving on to college baseball so junior college baseball that is and of course you know moving 
to the Manning Passing Academy, as Glenn Gilbo was talking about. So many different superstars, of course. Riley Leonard from right here at Fairhope, he attended that Manning Passing Academy. And there's a quarterback that is making his rounds on the Internet, being able to throw the football 70 yards, pretty much flat-footed, and that being Joe Milton. Whew. From Tennessee Volunteers, by flat-footed, 70 yards. Have the accuracy to go along with it because it's one thing to be able to throw the football flat-footed, 70 yards. It's another thing to be having an Alabama rush coming at you or to hit a moving wide receiver and hit the target. Now, you can throw a 70-yard flat-footed bomb. Can you can you throw the, the little out route that's 10 to 15 yards? Yeah. Can you throw the slant pattern? Can you have patient and poise in the pocket? But from everything that I've heard about coming out of the Manning Passing Academy this weekend, Joe Milton, he had the total package. Yeah, he was supposedly one of the more impressive performers of the entire camp. And you understand why. I mean, the guy was phenomenal in that game. But, and, yeah, I don't know. Are you a believer in the uh, in the Milton experiment? It's not even an experiment because he's a really good quarterback, so that's not the right word. But I think he's going to be really good. I, I just think as the season progresses, he'll get better. If he can stay injury-free, there, there's no question as to what type of arm strength he has because Jamarcus Russell has been said to have – one of the strongest yeah. arms ever coming out of the Manning Passing Academy and to show up for the Manning Passing Academy. And here it is now. You have Joe Milton that has kind of been mentioned by numerous people to have a stronger arm than what they saw in Jamarcus. And uh, Marcus could be on his knees and throw it close to 60 yards from his knees with that type of arm strength. But yeah. I know we have a caller on the line. Oh, Smokey. Smokey! Remind all you Bammer fans, okay? Y'all remember? <laughs> I don't know if you forgot about it, but anyway, this next quarterback's coming in. It's going to be even worse in Tuscaloosa. I want to hear all y'all Bammers, you know, comments about it. Thank you. Smokey, chiming in on Joe Milton and what he's going to bring to the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, like I said, from an accuracy standpoint, if he's able – to come in and, and be accurate, then that's what Tennessee needs. I think Coach Heupel, he he's a quarterback double A's. You can have arm strength, but you have to have accuracy also. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm kind of all in on the guy. I think he's going to be really good. I don't know. I don't think Tennessee is going to come into Bryant-Denny and win this year after beating him last year. But, no, I do think that, Tennessee and Josh Heupel to a certain degree, to a certain degree, because Hendon Hooker was was very special, but I think there's a degree of that system kind of uh, plays itself, and you kind of just need a piece. You need a quarterback who's capable of running it, and, and Milton can certainly be more than that, uh, but you know, I think they have good pieces, and they've recruited well, and, and Heupel does a phenomenal job from a scheme standpoint as well, so I, yeah, I think they're going to be very competitive again. I think they're a 10-win team, and I think uh, Milton has the capability to, to push them even further beyond that. Uh, if he can be the quarterback that a lot of people think he's capable of being, who knows? Maybe Tennessee could even they got beat in the SEC East. I, I don't think. Anytime you can throw the football 
flat-footed 70 yards, you're more than special. I mean, you can get wows out of all the campers and Cooper Manning, and of course, you know Peyton Manning's definitely pulling for him to, to get the job done without question. And Tennessee opens up against Virginia. They have Austin P. And then, of course, early, they jump right in to Florida. So he'll he'll have too early. I'm not going to say Virginia is going to be a cakewalk, but Virginia is not the crown jewel of the ACC either. So in that tune-up game, then he'll have an opportunity to find what type of warspins he has. Austin P will absolutely get boat raced at Neal Stadium, and then of course going down on the. Road. I'm just telling you what the odds makers are going to tell you. It's the same thing, and he'll have a chance to to bounce back to see how he does against Florida with Texas San Antonio, and then he'll is have South Carolina at home. at home or on the road. No, that one is on the road Ooh. in Gainesville. So, like Ooh. I said, you'll have an opportunity to play at Nissan Stadium against Virginia and open up, and then I'll you tell turn you what, around, and then you they, have uh, Austin P. If they lose that game to Florida, which I don't think they will, you can pretty much just hand the SEC East to Georgia at that point anyway because pretty much the only chance was uh, the SEC East. Like, I, I don't think so. Uh, really, the only team that anyone gives a shot is Tennessee, and I don't think they have much of a shot in the East either, but yeah, obviously for good reason. You know, you're kind of just giving Georgia the crown until someone takes it from them. But who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. But if Tennessee loses that game to Florida early, you know, it's – almost over at that point well here's the good thing for Tennessee and your quarterback Joe Milton you you don't see Georgia at Neyland Stadium until November 18th yeah so as far as from a growth standpoint plenty of opportunity and we'll definitely see on October 21st the third Saturday in October what at home you have South Carolina but at home you, you you do have again Florida on the road, Alabama on the road, Kentucky's on the road, but Whew. you have UConn at home, Missouri on the road, Georgia at home, and then Vanderbilt at home. So, as far as how far can a quarterback take you? And Hendon Hooker, we saw where a healthy Hooker, where Hendon's play and when he was healthy, propelled them. Over a huge win over Alabama. And he, I he mean, was the best quarterback he, in the country when he was healthy last year. You can't argue that. And I think that's one of the great reasons why Jim Nagy decided to go ahead and step outside of his comfort zone and invite the injured player to he won Reese's Senior Bowl. Because you know that when healthy, exactly. I mean, absolutely obliterated. Alabama's secondary over and over and over and over again. And that's without the type of arm that is coming in and is sitting behind them. And experience, like I say, you have Georgia later on in the schedule. So with Georgia being toward the later part of the season, do I think they'll probably be undefeated taking on Georgia? No, because I can that tell means Georgia is going to be undefeated taking on Tennessee. Now that part is undeniable and, and won't be disputed. South Carolina, A&M, and Alabama in three consecutive games, not three consecutive weeks because there's a bye between South Carolina and A&M that Tennessee will be able to have. I just think that the natural arm strength is there for him. And it's it's reason for Tennessee fans to be impressed. And Peyton Manning, Cooper Manning, everyone else who was at the Manning Passing Academy, 
was very impressed with his arm strength. You get a stamp of approval from Peyton, you know, you're you're doing something right. And, and you know, being a Tennessee guy, he's going to pull for him and root for him he wants even harder. Uh, yeah, he definitely wants to light another cigar, especially with Tennessee and Alabama not playing each other every single year as well. And coming back after the break, we'll have an opportunity to visit another Lane Junior Bowl Hall of Fame to Lee Shakti. We'll show some love to hear Lane Johnson's thoughts on what the Senior Bowl meant to him and him being inducted into the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame. Coming up next here on The Final Drive. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hope everyone is having a terrific Monday and had a great weekend. And of course, this weekend, Senior Bowl Hall of Fame induction and ceremony. And it's not every day when you have the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame induction ceremony that you have an active NFL player. He is involved in the process, of course, Lane Johnson with the Philadelphia Eagles, $55 million investment. And again, he's an all-pro type of offensive lineman that played football at Oklahoma and kind of made his name here in the Reese's Senior Bowl when he came down and played in the 2013 Senior Bowl. And Lee Shavanian, our very own Lee Shavanian, had an opportunity to talk with Lane Johnson. Joining us on the morning show, Lane Johnston, the uh, offensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, a great deal. I felt like uh, what it did for me personally was kind of what the Senior Bowl was trying to uh, encompass. You know, I came in with a third-round grade. I think I left here with a, um, a first-round consensus. So, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, the combine is one thing, but, you know, playing football is uh, where the coaches, evaluators get a – a great deal of, of film to evaluate you, uh, competing against uh, you know different talent, different conferences, and so I felt like you know collectively um, it shot put me to, to where I was drafted. Any memories, of the game itself, the Senior Bowl game, anything that really stuck out? Yeah, I feel like I, I was very glad to get to the game. Uh, the practices uh, were very intense, but I feel like we had a great week of really to you know be around NFL coaches, to go through an NFL practice. So I really get an idea of what the game is all about, how serious it is, uh, who's involved, and what it was when you're in it. But now 10 years later, 11 years later, uh, you can look back and, and be proud. How special is it to be inducted into the Senior Hall of Fame while you're still active as a player? That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, uh, very fortunate. You know, I credit to Philly for uh, being able to, um, you know, keep me around for, for a long time. I've had the opportunity to play with some, some great players, a great organization, but... Yeah, just, uh, you know, this was a huge part of where I am today, uh, a huge part of my story. And, uh, yeah, a lot of great memories and uh, a little bit of trauma, too. You know, it's a difficult week. But, uh, no, at the end of the day, man, I'm thankful for, for getting the opportunity to play here. My fans will love to hear about your uh, reminiscing when he first came. Did you yeah. did you see success like this? Uh, you know, I saw, um, you know, just an impressive individual, obviously, on the hoof. So, uh, physically, what he could do, and then mentally, uh, how he handled himself, uh, the leader he was at an early age, and really how he handled adversity. You know, when we came in, 
to uh, Philly. Uh, it was a Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts dilemma. And then, um, you know, the next year uh, we ended up making the playoffs, even though the season didn't start how we liked. And then oh, really this year uh, was really a coming out party for, for him and, and really for the offense in, uh, in whole. But, yeah, I just feel like how he's handled himself throughout all the processes has been uh, very impressive. Did, did you have doubts when he came first joined the team? I don't know about you know, doubts. I, I felt like, uh, I mean, honor. The actions speak a lot louder than words, but you know, I was impressed with just, you know, how good gifted he was as a runner, um, how he could and how he ball, but really, you know, putting together those uh, years when times weren't good, when things were stacked. As you know, it's not easy repeat getting back to the Super Bowl. Very few yeah. teams do that. Give me some reasons why you think the Eagles can do it. Uh, I mean, when you look at the, the roster as a whole, I feel like we're very talented. I feel like we have a lot of great coaches around us, obviously great players, but, uh, you know, really some a good blend of young talent and a, a good mixture of the older vets, which I can say now that I'm on. Um, but really, um, you know, with all great teams, you need you need good good leadership from the coaches, but uh, a lot of times it comes from the vets, uh, you know, to uh, create the culture you want. Do you enjoy pass blocking more or run blocking? Ooh, uh, I mean, I think sometimes pass, I might be uh, able to catch my breath more effectively. So run blocking, I do enjoy teeing off on somebody not having to worry about sitting sitting back as much. So probably say I, l- I love run blocking more. Uh, I think most linemen could agree to that. But uh, pass blocking, as you know, is because of the, uh, um, you know, what the game's about. So uh, also a big part of my job. Yeah. Talk about the emergence of the offensive lineman. Lineman position has uh, changed even since I've been in. Um, you know, when I came in, the left tackle was primarily seeing the best rusher where, you know, over the past five, ten years, it's really changed uh, dynamically. They're putting uh, great rushers all, all over the field, right tackle, uh, creating, trying to create up mat, uh, matchups pro- problems. But I feel like um, there's a big demand for, for big guys that can move, have good uh, quickness and body control, because as you can see, the guys on the edge are also getting more talented. What do you like about the NFL, and what don't you like? Man, I love everything about it. Uh, you know, we're getting paid uh, handsomely for a game to, uh, you know, really uh, almost like a religion in America. Um, people love their football. They love the competition. And, uh, you know, the NFL has been doing it the best uh, for the longest. But, uh, you know, only only uh, negative I might have to say is, uh, you know, playing in London, maybe on a Thursday or something. But, uh, no, not – I just think uh, – It's overdoing it now, Bob. Two uh, games in three day, uh, four or five days. I don't know. Hey, there's people all over the world trying to see football. So I think now that we're expanding, I feel like viewership is only increasing. So um, you know, maybe one day we'll have a team over there. Um, I, I wouldn't count it out at all. You're you're quite a uh, survivor. Same city, Philadelphia. You, you know how the fans are. Yeah. What's it been like? Uh, you know, Philadelphia makes uh, the player become the best version of himself. I feel like when pressure is applied, you have a, a strict fan base. Uh, obviously. Uh, a cold. Lane Johnson commenting on his thoughts about playing so well with NFL teams and the fact in 2017 when Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl, he and Chris Long both put Amazon out of business in regards to having those dog masks ordered. And that part was real funny. The dog mask was a symbol about that. of that underdog, of them being the underdogs. Oh, and, I know. And the fact that Amazon had no more for the fans to order, that just goes to show the, the Philadelphia fanatic fan base and the type of love they have. But, 
You look at it last in 2022 when Johnson set an NFL record now, an NFL record of not allowing a sack in 26 consecutive games. The sack setting an NFL record. You can see why Jim Nagy and the folks at the Reese's Senior Bowl wanted to acknowledge him not only as a Hall of Famer, but you can also see why the Eagles wanted to make sure in March they also signed him to a one-year contract extension through the 2026 season with $30 million guaranteed. And when you're not giving up a sack for pretty much an entire season and a half and you're taking care of your quarterback and you've also won a Super Bowl protecting your quarterback worth all the money in the world, especially when you look at the history of men offensive line position and the number of players who come through for coming. That's just a tremendous half starts here. And for him to acknowledge what playing here in Mobile, how it helped him. When you listen to him, you can't help but to be impressed. Yeah, he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink for that entire running game, which really the offense is dependent on that running game. Obviously, having a quarterback with the with the legs of Jalen Hurts helps helps tremendously as well, but you're not going to go anywhere without a strong offensive line, and he's the best player on the best offensive line in football and has been one of the most consistent offensive linemen in football over the last really half decade or so, and uh yeah, I mean he just a just a spectacular football player. It's uh you know the topic came up in the playoffs this year. He's so good at every play because he's just gotten so skilled at timing the snap that he literally does jump before every other player on the defensive line, but it's just because he's so skilled at timing the snap. It's unbelievable how good this guy. He really is probably a top 5 player in the across the entire league. He he is that special. Now I know you had problems recognizing the New England Patriots backup quarterback and at times the starting quarterback for the Patriots. Would you have had problems identifying 6'6", almost 300 pounds? He he stands out a little bit, doesn't he? With uh, with a bald head and a big beard as well. So uh yeah, he he was tough to he was tough to miss. No, it's one that I guarantee you weren't going to miss him and again, we didn't miss him coming down to Mobile, Alabama and participating in the races senior bowl nor did we press him last night at the hall of fame dinner and taking time out of his schedule to go ahead and make sure on the weekend that we had interviews lined up along with yourself and nick wiggins to go ahead and bring it to the listening audience and the final drive here on wnsp 105.5 will return right after this break this is george Potter, thanks coach of the it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to our number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.0. We want to thank everyone for tuning in and, of course, having us locked and loaded. You can correspond with us on the app, or you can go ahead and give us a call at 251 694 
105.5. And it's a winner take all tonight. Game three of the College World Series, all SEC style. And I know that our next guest, Zach Blackerby, being the baseball guy and guru that he is, always locked on Auburn. Auburn had a chance to see both of these teams this past season. But, Zach, if you had to pick one tonight, who are you going? Is LSU going to win their first since 09, or will it be the Gators winning another one since 2017? I got a feeling it's going to be hard to uh, to score runs for Florida like they did last night. So I'll go – I'll go with the LSU Tigers tonight. Great pick. That's who I went series. But I, I will say this, you know, when you look at the excitement that Omaha does pro- produce, I know we had Glenn Gilbo on earlier, and he said, you know, this is one of the best sites that you'll see as far as one of the college sports venues quiet is kept secret. I know that Auburn has had success going out to Omaha and playing in Omaha just a year ago. What makes Omaha so special? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kicking myself for not being able to, to go uh, a year ago, which is a, a total bummer. But next time they make it out there, hopefully I'm going to be able to be in attendance. But, I mean, everybody that I've talked to that's been able to go out there talks about how it's one of the coolest things that they've done in regards to traveling for sports and following their team. And I've talked to a few Auburn folks that went out there even when Auburn wasn't there just because they enjoyed it so much. So it seems like it's a cool tradition. And it seems like a lot of the atmosphere around the ballpark all over the place. So uh, I don't know exactly what makes it that way. And maybe it's just a mutual respect for, uh, for the tradition that's kind of formed in Omaha. But I agree with that. I saw that on Twitter from from you guys or from you know I guess whoever whoever you had on. But uh, it is it is the best kept secret in college sports. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, I know that you know you can't keep any secrets about Auburn and and their upcoming quarterback dilemma that they had a year ago and just trying to find offensive linemen that were going to protect them. I know things in the offseason have revved up from a recruiting standpoint, and that's always important because that's how you're going to become better. But I think that when you look at as far as this offseason work before Auburn probably gets started up here in the end of July after SEC media days, you know, wh- who do you think has one of the biggest chances out for the Auburn Tigers? Who are some other Auburn players that are really going to make a mark this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough because there's a lot of question marks like in the receiver room, right? So, you know, you got to assume Peyton Thorne's going to be throwing the guys, but there's a lot of options as far as, you know, who could step up at wide receiver for Auburn, you know, whether it's Shane Hooks, the transfer from Jackson State, uh, formerly of Ohio before that. I mean, it seems like he's going to have a chance to, to really kind of put it all together. Then I'm a big fan of Jair Shorter, the, the guy. I mean, he averaged over 20 yards a catch last year at the University of North Texas. So both of those guys are certainly going to have a chance to stretch the field, maybe do something outside guys. With the exception of Caleb Burton, who I don't think is really a piece they intend to use a ton this season. I think he's going to kind of be a depth piece this year and then a potential piece uh, the following season. But Javarius Johnson's a guy that, that probably isn't getting as much love as he probably should. He's the most experienced guy 
uh, when you look at wh- who stayed at Auburn, you know, non-transfer uh, from a year ago and even some of the year before that. So uh, Javaris Johnson is certainly a guy from the slot. He could be electric for Hugh Freeze. I think Jarquez Hunter is going to have a very, very uh, good season when it's all said and done. Um, is it Rivaldo Fairweather, the transfer tight end from FIU? I think he's got a chance to miss. So, I mean, there's there's some guys that I think you could look at and say it would make a lot of sense for them to break out this year. What What is it about Auburn, though, within the last decade or, or even within the last 15 years? There has not been that four- or five-star wide receiver who's wanted to come and play for the Auburn Tigers. Or if there was one who came and, and arrived on campus, he kind of just faded away and no one heard about him again. What is it about that Auburn, even if Auburn was a ground and pound, three yards in a cloud of dust type of football program, which they have not been over the last 15 years, what is it not finding that one big-time five-star recruit? Yeah, I mean, they've gotten five-star receivers uh, not you know, over the last few years. You know, Kyle Davis, I think, was a five-star. I think Nate Craig Myers was a five-star haven't really panned out either. I think some of that has to do with who was developing wide receivers. You know, I think Gus Malzahn is a good coach. I don't think he's good at developing receivers. Now, I had Anthony Schwartz on my show when he was getting ready for the draft, and he was talking about all these passing patterns that they ran in practice, and they wouldn't run them in a game. So, you know, I'm sure that's certainly tied to some of it. You know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, I actually kind of think that was Gus Malzahn's offense. It just looked different. It was just from the shotgun. And so they should have been better, you know, off of play action. And, you know, you saw moments from Sammy Coates. You saw moments from, like, Duke Williams in 23 yards. Really the closest anybody's gone was Darvin Adams in 2010, who was exceptional, you know, on the receiving end from Cam Newton. But he was, like, I think four yards short, six yards short from 1,000 yards that year. And nobody else has really come close to it since then, even with Auburn having pretty successful offenses in 13, 14, and 17. It just hasn't really panned out that way. I think a lot of that has to do with scheme, right? Because, I mean, these guys have gone to the league and have gotten chances. Like, the NFL was interested in Anthony Schwartz. That's why he got drafted, you know, in the middle of the draft by the uh, by the Cleveland Browns. And Darius Slayton was – Kind of a rising star a little bit there for the Giants before he kind of fizzled away. I mean, these are guys that can compete. They've got the talent. They've got the ability. They just haven't been used correctly um, over the last decade at Auburn. So, I mean, I don't think it's about the talent. Uh, I think it's more about how they've been used. And I mean, that was one of the bigger... Um, Black will be locked on. Auburn would talk to him every Monday at 5 o'clock. Zach, let's play a little bit of a hypothetical here, or a little over-under, rather. Uh, so let's throw out this year for the sake of the hypothetical, although I do think Auburn's going to win about eight games this year. Let's look ahead to next year, just because that's when it switches to the 12-team playoff. Over under two and a half years, Auburn in the college football playoff with Hugh Freeze. Over. What if I had said three over. and a half? And I'd probably say over. I'd have to say over. I mean, I think Auburn's a ways to think it's going to be tough. And, I mean... If you would have asked me this maybe last week, I would have felt better about the recruiting situation, but a lot of reports coming out of some guys that the staff was excited to add on the offensive front coming out that they may be going elsewhere. So, you know, this is a staff that they're going to have to build things from the ground up, and that, of course, means the high school level. And I don't think this July is going to be as exciting on the recruiting front as they thought it would be. 
um, even probably three or four days ago. Um, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say over just because I feel like that's the safe answer right now. Another hypothetical for you. Auburn throw their hat in the ring for uh, Javon Quinterly yet? Wouldn't that be fun? It'd be interesting. I mean, Auburn fans have definitely gotten after him. I don't know why Quinterly would want to come play <laughs> for that fan base. has just been ruthless. You don't do that. You're better than that. So, uh, I don't know. I saw a few people um, kind of say, hey, it would make sense. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Auburn's got a scholarship spot left, so they certainly could use it. But um, I don't know. I'll believe it when it happens. Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. And also, you can follow him at, at Braves Today. And the Atlanta Braves, huge series this weekend against the Cincinnati Reds. And the Atlanta Braves able to kind of hold it down. And the Cincinnati Reds were red hot. And Sizzling, when they came in and were playing the Braves, the Braves going on the road. But as far as 9-1 and one of the last 10 games, the yeah. Braves continue to impress against an impressive Cincinnati squad. Well, it was hard to argue against it with that win streak. And they extended it Friday night. But then Atlanta bounced back and... All three games were decided by uh, one run, and Atlanta was on the positive side of that in games two and games three. And they're doing this still without some of their best pitching. You know, they, they didn't throw any of their top guys this weekend, which is impressive. So this Atlanta team is really, really figuring it out. I still think they're a reliever or two away, um, and I'm curious to see what they do as the trade deadline approaches, if they add some mid-relief guys and then a closer. I think that's really all they need. But, man, the, the team has a lineup, which is ridiculous. They always say, you know, if you hit 300, if you hit 3 out of 10, you know, you're in the Hall of Fame. This team is going – this team's hitting that as a, as a roster right now, which is ridiculous and not sustainable, right? Let's just be clear on that. It's not sustainable. But they're, um, they're winning games. They're improving their, uh, the, their, their odds to, to host and kind of get as many games in truest as possible. But – yeah, I think uh, I think you're going to see this series again in October, and it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. They've played each other six times this season, the Braves and the Reds. Game Friday night, 11-10. to 10. It was a slug flash fest. And then Saturday and Sunday, 7-6, to 7-6 back-to-back wins for the Braves. And, of course, the Braves now have an opportunity to play Minnesota. And Minnesota – is not what you would necessarily call a great team, but the Braves just want to find a way to continue to win series. Well, it's kind of funny. You know, as June was getting going, everybody was talking about how this month of June is going to be super easy for the Atlanta Braves. They listed out all these teams that had losing records in a row. And when we were having this discussion, the Reds were in there, right? And then they won. They won 12 straight, and obviously, you know, they're, they're well above 500. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's going to get easier now, right? And then they host the, what, the Marlins this weekend. So it's probably going to go 2-1 and one in both of these series and, and kind of continue their quest um, to, to lock down the NL East as soon as they possibly can. Zach, how can people follow all of your outstanding coverage of everything that is Auburn? Yeah, Locked on Auburn's available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, free daily content uh, for your ears or eyes, whatever suits you. AuburnDaily.com 
is where you can check out Left Sports Illustrated's free Auburn coverage for football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting. And then, uh, yeah, like you said a second ago, Bravestoday.com is, uh, is our free Atlanta Braves coverage for you as well. Now, Zach, I, I don't know if my, my producer, New England Patriots fan, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, but Brauner is sitting next to greatness from a New England Patriots standpoint and doesn't even know his own roster. It took me damn 10 seconds, Corey. Look, 10 seconds is too long when you're a Patriots Man. fan. He's a Patriots fan, and he didn't even know well, Corey, he was you know sitting why? next to the backup you know why? quarterback. I, I, because Bronner has been crapping on Zappy ever since he's been drafted. Exactly. he's blinded by his love for Mac Jones. That's all it is. That's why he couldn't see him. Is because all he sees is Mac's face wherever he looks. And that's exactly why I'm giving him a hard way to go and will continue to mm. give him a hard way to go. How blind he can be in regards to his New England Patriots. But, Zach, we'll keep plugging at him and appreciate you for jumping on with us, brother. Of course, of course, Corey. Thank you so much. And, Bronner, enjoy dreaming of Mac Jones tonight, my friend. You know I will. There you go. Zach Blackerby joining us this <laughs> afternoon here on the final <laughs> drive. And we'll be right back. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to the w Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, at 5.30, we'll have a very special guest joining us this afternoon, J.D. Pruitt, the new head baseball coach at Coastal Alabama South, will be joining us to talk about his transition leaving Spanish Fort, the Toros, and a state championship caliber program to take over the new Coyotes baseball program, the newly named Coyotes in the gram, as so many of us are used to saying, Sun Chiefs. But it was, as before we were talking to John Rochetti, a huge weekend for South Alabama football and Kane Womack. As it going to join us on Wednesday, Jared Hollins, the Mary G. Montgomery quarterback, had great success a year ago and has shown his skills under Zach Golson's tutelage. We'll have him joining us in studio as part of Mobile's Finest. He'll be coming in and signing the MGM jersey, and we'll hear why he decided to go ahead and verbally commit to South Alabama as part of their 2024 program, but one that's going to pay immediate dividends for South Alabama Buchanan, six foot, 175 pounds. He's going to be hitting the portal from Purdue. And I think that anytime you can have the blood or lineage in your veins, Ray Buchanan, former Pro Bowler, former Atlanta Falcon, is his father. So you know that this young man understands the game of football, has four years of eligibility remaining for coach Kane Womack. So that's that's big time, Brauner, when you're able to bring in someone who played at a power five such as Purdue and now has four years worth of immediate eligibility coming in for the Jaguar program. 
Yeah, Kane has uh, had quite the week, hasn't he? I mean, Holland is what, the, the fourth local commit? Not a stink ninth total of the 2020 class. I mean, it, it's pretty unbelievable. I know a lot of schools, I mean, a lot of schools were recruiting him as a quote-unquote athlete, whereas uh, I know Southeast committed to South as a quarterback, so I'm sure he wanted to continue to play the quarterback position. You're talking about a kid who threw over 2,000 yards last year, 20 touchdowns, and only like two picks as well. Uh, so I'm sure he wanted to continue his his career at the quarterback position. So really awesome that he's going to get to do that and stay at home as well. Again, you're you're talking about a program over at MGM that went 0-10 in 2021, and Zach Golson comes in, and, and Hollins, him and Hollins are able to – make the playoffs in 7A in a, in a really tough region after going 0-10 the year before. So, you know, the kid is special. The program is special. Really excited to see what he does in his senior year. Excited to talk to him on Wednesday about all this. Well, I think that having nine 2024 football commits already locked and loaded and, and so many of them already being local with Asher Hill, from St. Paul's, the big O-lineman, Jared Hollins, we just mentioned from M. And then when you add Logan Hollenbeck to that as well, 6'6", from Foley, you're adding some beef up front. But, I mean, it's just not Alabama you're having success. I mean, you're getting a linebacker out of LaGrange, Georgia. You're getting one from North Alabama and Decatur High School. You're going to Goshen High School, getting Jamari McClure, a running back. You're also having an opportunity to continue to go to Columbia, Mississippi, New Orleans, Louisiana, and you're able to address all aspects of your football team. So we always have mentioned how rich the I-10 corridor can be for South Alabama. And Joey Jones initially put that idea and planted that seed. The success that you can have at South Alabama is monumental because you're you're always right there on I-10 to where your folks, whether it's in Mississippi or Louisiana or Texas or here it is of seeing you play your next level of football. And that's what a 10-year, a 10-win season will do for you also. It just adds to no the growth of your program. And hopefully Coach Womack and his staff will continue to be able to piggyback on that, but I just know that when you have all these activities on your campus, whether it's the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game or the North-South game, and you continue to let the community and the visitors to see your campus and what it can offer, it's just booming and the growth is great for do so because you don't want there to be that setback or that letback of going in the wrong direction or having another year to correct it. You want to go ahead and continue to capitalize on that momentum and go ahead and win that first Sunbelt Conference title in school football history. And that is the direction that you can see Kane Womack definitely having. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 will be right back with the new head baseball coach, at Coastal Alabama South, the Coyotes hiring J.D. Pruitt away from Spanish Ford. We'll talk to Coach Pruitt next here on The Final Drive. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, 
joining you this afternoon. And of course, today's big time news here locally has been the fact that J.D. Pruitt, Class 6A Coach of the Year, took the Spanish Fort Toros to the state championship game and received a runner-up trophy is now going to be the new head baseball coach, Coastal Alabama South. The Coyotes found their man in Coach Pruitt, and Coach Pruitt joins us this evening here on the final drive. Coach, congratulations, and welcome to the final drive. Man, I really do appreciate you guys having me on today. Um, I, I, I guess it's going to take a little bit to know. Absolutely, and well-deserved. So as far as the new co colors, Coastal Alabama Community College going with a rebrand, and now instead of the Sun Chiefs, they're going to be called the Coyotes. And I tell you, you'll have a lot of howling to do if you're able to go in and turn around that program. But here is this is where home is. I mean, it's not like there's a transition to where you're having to travel like you did moving to Spanish Ford, you've established great a lot of relationships within the community of Baldwin County and Spanish Ford, especially had a lot of success. Had the hardest thing to do in going on is telling those players you'll be able to continue to recruit them and see them do great things as well. Yeah, you know, you know, I had, I had a meeting with my, with my guys today, um, and. And I'll just be very candid uh, with you guys, man. It was such an emotional uh, meeting with those guys, and and, the, and 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 part of that is again just because of the relationship and the respect that we all have for each other. Um, I truly, um, you know, I truly love every single one of those kids inside of my program, um, and and the fact again just having to look them. Um, you know, in their eyes uh, earlier today, I can tell them that I was going to be moving on. And man, it was it was extremely difficult. Um, but again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm man, I can tell you this: uh, I'm excited about uh, creating and being a part of the of the rebranding of Coastal South uh, because I truly believe that we can uh, create our own brand here within this area. And, and and bring really really good ball players, but even better people and better kids into into the baseball program here. So, um, and you're right, man. Uh, you know it, that was kind of one stipulation for me. Um, you know, as as a coach, man, it was it was it was a bit difficult uh, for that trip, um, for my wife and one, and for my kids uh, when we moved down here and just that transition. You're right, and so. One caveat to do not have to this position was an absolute rock star at what she does. And, um, you know, and so and she's a soon-to-be assistant principal. And, and so she, from her career standpoint, she gets to continue to do what she does. And my kids get to continue to stay in, their, in the state of the school. So, um, so I've said it. I said it before. Yeah, I could replay this my life a thousand times, and the way things have aligned uh, for me to be able to uh, to accept this opportunity, probably the opportunity for sure. 
taking over a coastal Alabama team that went 15 and 39 in 2023. So I know that you are excited with the fact that now some of the players, the high school players that you have coached against or you have seen on rosters, man, I can't wait till that guy graduates. Now that takes a new meaning to you, coach, to sit there and say, I can't wait for a player to graduate because so many players that you played against in the semifinals or in the baseball tournaments that you play, it's going to be in a great way recruiting for Coastal Alabama. Uh, without a doubt, man. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, any kid that's a, real, that's, a, that's a good player and you live in the, uh, in the Baldwin County Mobile area, um, I'm going to make it extremely difficult for you to leave this area to go play baseball somewhere else. Um, you know, uh, we are going to recruit this area as hard as it's ever been recruited before. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm currently making phone calls to, to the kids that are currently on the roster and, 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 and starting relationships with them. And, and, uh, cause we can, man, we can, we can, we can really be a build, uh, a, a, a very strong program with the kids that we've got right here in this area. Um, man, when you talk about the coaches, I know that these guys have been uh, uh, coached extremely well um, uh, in their high school programs. And so uh, to be able to get some of these kids to, to come play for Coastal South so that we can that we can build our legacy and we can put Coastal South on the map uh, to, to end uh, a junior college state championship and, and eventually, you know, through the team up the junction and, 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 and win a national championship is there as well. So, uh, um, and you're right, like that, man, you're, we're going to, we are, we're, we're, we're going to hit the ground with this thing. Um, and, and we're going to, we're going to build the best. So, uh, team, it's, uh, good people as we possibly, the better. Day. And, and so, uh, definitely ahead and, and man, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to, uh, uh, you know, to be the leader of that baseball program. Phenomenal hire by the athletic director, Daniel Head over there at Coastal, and as well as we're speaking with J.D. Pruitt, who is the reigning 6A coach of the year, not, not just in our area, 6A coach of the year. So you know he definitely knows – Plenty about the game of baseball is excited about recruiting locally here and, and there's just so much talent not only within this state but in the bordering states and surrounding areas as well hits the ground running as the new head baseball coach of coastal is Alabama South Coyotes coach a couple of questions for you and first one I want to know is tonight huge college world series game Three on the line, LA. Man, I would say, I would say, man, uh, with the with the beatdown that that Florida put on LSU yesterday, man, that was, oof, that was, uh, you know, that was that was. If you're a Florida fan, that was fun to watch. <laughs> uh, if you're an LSU fan, probably not so much. Um, you know, but again, those guys don't get to that point uh, uh, at this, at that point of the season without being resilient. So I'm sure those guys. Uh, Coach Johnson is is, is going to get get those guys ready to play tonight. Man, I would if I was an LSU fan, I would feel a lot better if Paul Skeens was towing the rubber tonight, but he's not. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he's uh, if he comes in at some point in that game tonight. But to answer your question, 
in a in a long delayed response, <laughs> man, I I I think I'm going to have to go with Florida. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I know that may I hear that may may uh, maybe you just look at um, you look at that lineup that Florida uh, that Florida's got. Uh, obviously, it was on display yesterday, and and the way that they got their pitching lined up. They, the way they've got their pitching lined up for uh, for tonight. Um, I mean, uh, again, both teams are extremely talented, but you know, if if, if there's an edge uh, for any team tonight, I think it's got to go. I think you got to you got to you got to look at Florida with again just the way that their pitching lines up and and um, and the arms that they have available. Well, you're just like my producer. He likes Florida to win it all as well. I, I, I'm going with LSU, Coach, and I just think that momentum that they had for Wake Forest and after taking that beat down, you want to show that that was a fluke, and I think it's just going to be a – it's winner take all, and that's that's what you play for. I mean, you envision and dream about it, and I would love for it to go deep so the ninth or the bottom of the ninth and there would be a heroic play or, or extra inning as well. So it's just – Game three tonight of the College World Series of the state championship appearance with Spanish Fort. I have to ask you, how's that Achilles doing, Coach? How's the rehab going? I know that that can be a very tough injury to have. And those who did not hear how you tore your Achilles, let everybody know. Yeah, so, um, yeah, anybody out there that is willing to trade an Achilles, I, I uh, you have a buyer right here. Um but man, I tell you, it's uh, um, it's been a slow process uh, to kind of you know just put it, put it in layman's terms. Uh, you know, I'm, I believe I'm about uh, Monday will be five weeks uh, post surgery, and so uh, there's not a lot that you can do with it right now. And um, so I'm so, uh, but yeah, man, we so we were playing uh, against Stanhope Elmore in the semifinals, and and we had a play at third, a ball thrown from the out from right field, and. And it ha- happened to get by the third baseman, and the ball is roll is coming right at me, and I planted my right foot to uh, to get out of the way, and when I did, um, my Achilles snapped, um, and so it was a it was a rupture of the Achilles, and, um, so just as painful as like as it as it sounds. Um, shout out to Doctor Matthews and, and Daphne. He uh, he performed my surgery and. And man, he's been he's been he's been awesome and and just checking in on me and making sure that I'm recovering uh, the way that I need to. And so, um, you know, it's like it's just a slow process, but man, I, I do feel like I'm getting better as as each day goes by. Love to hear that, coach. And you gotta love a coach who gets in there and has a war a, a wound while he's in action. And, and again, coach bounced back and was able to coach through the playoffs and continues to recover and will continue to do great things for the Coastal Alabama South Coyotes program that I know that you've been presented and look forward to continuing to to watch your program unfold next season and the recruiting process as you get ready for next season I know is one that's already started and want to wish you well coach I, I really do appreciate him and 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 this as well man I, I really do I really do appreciate what you guys do for do for sports in this area um I, I truly believe man it is it is second to none um, in the in the expertise and and the um, and the energy that you guys pour into into this area. So, man, I want to I want to thank you guys for all that you do. 
Our pleasure. J.D. Pruitt joining us this evening on the final drive. God bless and take care, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for having me. J.D. Pruitt, new head baseball coach, Coastal Alabama. What baseball program? The Coyotes. And don't forget, coming up, we'll have a quiz. I mean, we don't know what day it is. We'll find out what day is it coming up next here on the final drive. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here, a Monday edition. Want to thank everyone for having us locked and loaded and, of course, corresponding with us in the app this afternoon and giving us a call as well. You can always call us at 251 694 1055 and this weekend ryan williams kj lacy micah dubose all at the under armor next football future 50 event and that was an event in which ryan williams made national headlines not for his play but for the interview that he gave saying Saban's coaching till he crows. Saban is 71 years of age and Ryan said coach Saban told him he's gonna he's gonna coach till he croaks over so you believe that look I, I believe that literally he, he's gonna do it for as long as he wants to um it's just in him and and what else is he gonna do besides drive Miss yeah. Terry crazy and because being a college football analyst or an Aflac salesman, you know, that the commercial salesman, that that to me doesn't continue to pump life into Nick Saban. And, and we all know the 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 tragic story of when Bear Bryant walked away, what happened there. Not saying that that could happen to Nick Saban, too. It's just when you take away something that you're used to doing mm -hmm. and you've done your entire – it's something that Ryan Williams quoted on – uh, speaking on Coach Saban, said Coach Saban's gonna uh, coach till he croaks. I thought was pretty interesting. But Ryan, KJ, and Micah all representing class of 2025 at that Under Armour next football future 50 event. We talked today about Javon Quinterly jumping into that transfer portal for Alabama, and of course, College World Series game number three. It's for it all tonight. I like the LSU Tigers. I don't think we'll have a seven to six affair. I think it'll be maybe in the ballpark of four to three, something like that, as far as from a final. Of course, South Alabama had a huge weekend in regards to. Uh, Want to thank Lee Shavanian and I'll thank Michael Bronner and Nick Wiggins for getting audio this weekend from the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame event. Clay Matthews, along with Lane Johnson, we heard from today and tomorrow. We'll hear from Ozzie Newsom and Marshall Yonda, both of those. And, of course, what day is it, Michael Brauner? That is the biggest question on June 26th. What day is it, Mike? Let's guess what today is. <laughs> National Chocolate Pudding Day. Nothing like that chocolate pudding, a little J-E-L-L-O chocolate pudding used to be in the lunchbox every day. You cannot go wrong with chocolate pudding. You Are you a chocolate pudding guy? Oh, I, I like me some chocolate pudding. Now, also, you know, when you go into a grocery store or anywhere else, you hear this beep, National Barcode Day. Now, Did not barcodes know. barcodes need a national day? Yeah, it, it, you got to have, if you're the barcode, 
You don't want to feel left out, of course, today again, also being National Forgiveness Day. Practicing forgiveness is a great way to wipe the slate clean and clear your conscience. And I don't know if you've been on any of these lately. It's National Canoe Day, Michael Brown. National Canoe Day. Yeah, if you're, you know, down here, we have plenty of like, rivers and streams. Sure. Sure. Okay. I, well, I don't really know. I couldn't really tell you the difference, to be to be honest. But, you know, you know a little paddle, a little kayak. You know, it's That's a good time. That's a good Saturday. It, it can be. And for a lot of people, especially here in the summertime, for sure. So, again, it was always interesting to see what day it is here on the final drive. And... Can't thank everyone enough for tuning in to the final drive this afternoon. And, of course, want to thank all of our great guests. Tony Sakalis, Glenn Gilbo, John Rachetti. Noon and evening's final drive. Thank everyone for tuning in tomorrow. Bill Bender, Tim Carter, Mark Etheridge will be all joining us here on the final drive on WNSP. Thanks for checking in with us.